This is Boat Crew RPG with Red Jack. For mature audiences only. You guys spend a difficult night in the jail cell. The cold stone of the walls and the floors does not lend itself to a warm environment. You spend half the night shivering, half the night sobering up, and half the night desperately trying to sleep. As the first rays of the sun start to creep through the window, you hear the door at the far end of the hall open, and a man's voice rings out. Where are they? Show me! Loudly, you hear footsteps proceeding down the hallway, the boots of the police officers thumping away heavily. A gentleman in a suit with sandy hair leads two officers directly to your cell door. He stands there for a moment, eyeballing each of you carefully. When his eyes land on your injury, Percival, he turns to one of the officers. Go get a doctor. Let's get him bandaged up. He looks carefully at you, Gabriel, and sneers a little bit. I'll take the soldier first. The officer, the policeman, opens up the cell, roughly grabs Percival by the arm, come with us, and half drags you out of the cell. He is careful to close it and lock it afterwards, leaving Gabriel alone with the unconscious drunk still across the hall. Percival, you are led through the precinct house, past a multitude of uniformed officers and folks in plain clothes. You see a secretary or two, properly dressed, in the voluminous dresses of the day. They finally lead you to a small white room. The walls are white. The floor is white. Everything is painted white. Even the inside of the door. A plain but deeply scarred and weathered wooden table with four chairs around it. Square wooden table with a chair on each side, also wooden, stands in the center of the room. A barred window on the opposite wall from the door allows plenty of light to enter. The officer shoves you into the chair against the far wall, just beneath the window. The gentleman in the suit takes a seat across the table from you. The officer turns and locks the door with you, himself, and the gentleman in the suit inside. The gentleman in the suit pulls out a cigarette and lights it. He allows himself two deep, calming puffs off of his cigarette exhaling the smoke through his nose while he takes you in, Percival. From his pocket, he pulls out a little notebook and a wooden pencil, freshly sharpened. He leans back in the chair, crosses his legs, places the notebook on his knee, and takes a deep breath. All right, son, what's your name? Private Percival Stokes. Private. What are you doing here, not on base? I was I I asked I requested leave and I was granted it. I pretended to do, come, come visit Boston, visit friends, family. Do you always kill someone when you're on leave? I I did not I did not. Did, is, is a man truly dead? I didn't think I. No, I did not mean to kill anybody. I. Oh, so you did kill her? You just didn't mean to. No, I did not kill her. I did not kill any. I did not kill the woman. 
me and my friend Gabriel, we were walking across the Boston Commons after we had just we had been we had been uh, reconnecting after some time away. We just got, both gotten back into town today. We went out, had, a, had eaten, drinking. We went across the commons. We heard a scream. I ran to investigate. There was a man who was crouched over this over a body. Yes, your accomplice. No, 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 no. He attacked me. Just personal justice, like his chest. Like he attacked me. He cut me across the chest with with that cleaver of his. I defended myself with my knife, and the next thing you know, he collapses on the ground, and then the police show up. So you were with your accomplice in the common, murdering a woman. The two of you had a fight, and you killed him as well. Is that what I'm that's hearing? It. That's what you're saying. That's not what you're hearing. Are you sure about that, son? I am sure about it. I did not kill anyone. In fact, I don't even think I killed the uh, I killed the murderer. I only got him across the shoulder. And unless that's unless his, unless his heart was somehow up on his shoulder, I don't think that could kill a man. Well, the only wound on the tramp was the one caused by your knife. Did you, he had a cleaver? Did you not see the cleaver he had? Did you not see? Would there have been marks on the body that the, with the, from the cleaver? Not on his body. Well, but on her. Um, you said it was a woman. The woman's body that would have been on her body. How long were you standing watch for him? <sighs> you can ask down at. I, I try list the name of the pub me and Gabriel were at. But we were we've been t- we've been out down there sitting and drinking for hours. We'll just call it cheers for, you know, humor's sake. <laughs> yeah, obviously there's a ton of cheers. You can ask them. We, we, they, will, they will tell you that we spent hours there. We'll see what they say. Did anyone you know see you there? Well, I know I, I saw Gabriel when I went at the train station. Uh, he, he, he had some of his friends who had just, they just got back from New York. At uh, the pub? Put, no, I met. Uh, so I didn't it was know just anyone. you and your accomplices at the pub not my accomplices just one gate just gabriel was there i did uh who was a, a newspaper man t- t- tried to talk to us uh told, told us actually talked about the murderers at the time uh what some junior reporter don't remember his name so no one can place you at the pub except this unnamed junior reporter and your other accomplice okay well, i'm pretty sure if you if you ask someone, if you ask around at the place, they could tell you that they saw a soldier and another man, you know, sitting there for several hours last night. They could tell you that I was there. Okay. What were you doing in the common? We were walking back. We were, we were both, we just left the pub. We just wanted, we're walking back and we were going to, I assume we were going to part ways and then go, go back to our, go to our respective homes and, you know, meet our, meet our, I would plan to go meet my family, go to sleep, then get up and attend to business, whatever, 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 do whatever I wanted the next day. I'm on leave. In fact, I think actually we talked about how maybe he's talking to one of you people about the murders we just heard about. You're a bit nervous for a soldier, aren't you? Sir, at that point you see my personal soul collects himself. I have just, been, I have spent possibly one of the most multiple days of my life yesterday and night. And now I find myself in a cell being accused of being a murderer when I have done nothing of the sort. That tends to make one. Well, my men found you and your friend standing over two bodies. What would you think in that circumstance? First of all, it's quiet for a bit of that. He's, he's like, well, if you had heard properly, you would have heard that 
per- Gabrielite, he was yelling for the police even as I was being attacked. And that well, we heard well, someone yelling for the police. Well, how about this? If you you would have you could tell like you could tell what marks are made on a person by what weapon is used, right? You could you will find that the only blood uh, you will find the only uh, you know mark that on my that was caused by my knife was on the the murderer. I only attacked him with the, with my knife. There was no possible way there'd be any evidence for of me attacking the, that poor woman. Let's follow this fanciful tale of yours. So you're walking on the common, and you just happen to stumble across a murder in progress. We heard her. We heard a scream. It was foggy. We couldn't see clearly. We heard. We both heard a scream quite clearly of a woman, and then we heard heard we heard you know violence being committed, and then we got closer. And there was. Next to the tree, we found us. We saw we found the murderer attacking, currently still attacking the the dead woman's body. I suppose she might have still been alive. So I don't know. I just we 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 caught him mid attack. Take a deep breath and describe the scene to me in detail. Everything you can remember. Do you actually want me to do that, or do you want me to just sort of say he does? I would like you to play it out. Okay, so. Me and Gabriel, we had just left the pub. It was a foggy night. We were both walking across the grass in the commons. It was we couldn't see very far, but we could still see you know, what kind of shapes of people walking across. I think there was past, we passed a man walking his dog. I know that. We went deeper into the park, the commons area. We heard a scream. We heard we. It sounded like I think we heard the sound of the cleaver at, uh, hitting that poor woman's body. We heard the man. We heard we heard the man's like effort as he like smashed into her. We it seemed to be coming from a tree ahead of us. We couldn't see anything yet. I ran ahead to get closer to it. Once I got close enough that I could see through the fog, I saw on the ground a woman lying there, bloody, battered, cut up, eviscerated. And crouching over her was um, was the murderer. He was slashing at her with a cleaver. He turned to me, and then he charged me, and it's slashing with his cleaver. He cut me across the chest. Then, I think, then relying on my training, I grabbed my knife that that I, you that you saw me with. I, I slashed him across the shoulder. Then the next thing I know, he collapses on the ground. And then shortly, then my friend I see comes up behind me. Pull, you know, make, we both we both briefly stand over his body, over his still moving body. I think I don't know if he was co- unconscious from the pain or. What or and then the police come in and take us away. Oh, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Did you hear anything? Was anything said? I heard him mutter and growl, and he. he I think he hissed at me, like when I hit, hit him. But no, there were no words said from, no words like I understand came from his mouth. And that's everything and, that you saw. And then you see Gabriel, and he's personal. He like. He, he, you can see, like, sort of debate with himself about mentioning the blue eyes before he says, "I, I, I tell you what, what in the in the fog in the light, it looked like his eyes were blue, but then when he collapsed down, it, it seemed like maybe I did kill him. Then it looked, looked like the light left his eyes more literally than I normally would have thought. But that's that's all I saw: uh, blue eyes in the in the that's it. See, we spoke to the dog walker, and he recalls two young men walking into the park out of his view, 
and then suddenly hearing a scream. You and your friend meet the description of those two young men. That would be accurate because I, I told you we did pass a man. I think he had a dog walking a dog. That it, but if, if, if we had murdered that poor woman, why did the, why did the man not, or did the, uh, the, the other man not scream for help? You, uh, the, I caught him across the shoulder, but the thing, there would be plenty of, I didn't attack it, enter his throat of any kind. There would be plenty of opportunity for him to you know, let out a scream or yell, call out for help. That, the gentleman in the suit leans forward, takes a final puff off of his cigarette, and stubs it out on the table. He pulls out a small kit from his pocket and starts rolling himself a new one. When he finishes rolling it, he leans back again, lights it, and takes a nice deep breath. He looks over his notes for a minute. And you would swear to that under oath? I would. There's a gentle knock at the door. The officer at the door turns, unlocks it, and opens it. You hear from outside the room, Sir, the uh, doctor's here. The man at the table, Good, let him in. In walks a very young doctor, baby-faced, with the beginnings of a beard, carrying the stereotypical black doctor's bag. I, I, I heard someone might need stitches. Yeah, take a look at this uh, soldier, Doc. Oh, okay. The doctor comes around the table. I'm, I'm going to need you to rem- remove your, your shirt, sir. Very well. He you know, unbuttons the shirt and takes off. It's like, ruined anyway. He looks it over. He pokes at your chest. It stings. He opens up the bag, pulls out a, an amber-colored bottle, pulls out the cork, tips it onto a rag that he pulls out subsequent to the bottle, and starts dabbing the wound with the damp rag. It stings like a motherfucker as he does so. Yeah, that person literally like, you know, hisses, with the, hisses with the pain after the, with the dabs. When you hiss, the doctor pulls back. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I should have told you that this might, might hurt a little. I need, to, I need to finish cleaning the wound. Is that, is that okay? Just keep, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm not going to hurt you. Oh, okay. And he goes back. He cleans the wound. He gives it a close look. I think just some some bandages should be good. It, it's not too too deep of a cut, but you'll probably have a scar. That's that's fine. And he pulls out another amber bottle with an eyedropper and starts dripping something into the wound. What is that? It's 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 just to help keep it from getting infected. Oh, okay. And then he pulls out a couple of thick pads of cloth and a roll of bandages. And starts wrapping the wound. It, it, it'll probably take a, a, a while to heal, maybe a couple of weeks, but but you should be okay. Good, good. I must say, this is, I did not ex- I I did not expect to be injured in, in the uniform in this specific set of circumstances. Like so, so the chuckles to himself about that. Oh, oh, okay. The doctor finishes up packs all the leftovers back into his bag along with the bottles turns to the man at the table do, do I just with with the clerk we got the table yes with the clerk every time with the clerk oh, oh okay and the doctor hurries out of the room nervous the officer, man wasn't he he's new the officer closes and locks the door after him so your story let me get this straight 
is that you were at Cheers for a multitude of hours. Yes. Drinking yourself stupid with a friend of yours. Yes. And you just happened to come across a murder on the common as you were walking home. Yes, all this on the, my very first day back in Boston after sev- after a good number of months out of the out of the state. And the murderer is a snarling madman who attacked you as soon as he was finished with the woman. As hard to believe as it may, so when you say it out loud like that, but that is the truth. That is exactly what happened. And then you nick his shoulder, his eyes change color, and he dies. Unless, unless you would, unless you're, unless you lied to me and said he's not dead, then I, I only know he's dead because you told me he's dead. So yes, that's what happened. I can walk you down to the morgue if you'd like. Well, why not? If you, I, that, why, first of all, like, you know, sort of like collects himself. (sighs) That all those events are correct. Yes. I, well, I wouldn't even know what to, I wouldn't even know what to look for on the body. I I did I did not receive medical training, and you will swear to that under oath. Yes, I'm sure 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 my friend will do it, the same thing. I think we're done here. Take him back to the cell. The officer by the door unlocks it, walks over to you, lifts you up under the arm, and halfway drags you out of the room. By the way, do I get my shirt back or do it? I or guess. Just, okay, yeah. Ruined shirts better than no shirt. The officer reaches over, grabs the shirt, and just sort of whips it over across your shoulder. It's hanging on your right shoulder. All right. They march you back to the cell. Gabriel, you hear the door at the end of the hallway open up, and you see the officer bringing Percy back, roughly manhandling him as they go, shoving him, yanking him. Not enough to cause him to fall, but enough to get the point across. The officer unlocks the door to the cell, shoves Percival back in. You're up. Let's go. Uh, Gabriel gets up and stares at Percy for a moment. But uh, okay, Percival say, you know, they just they just want to ask you questions. Just tell them the truth, and everything will be all right. Don't let them, then they like sort of whisper. Don't let them bulldoze you. Just tell them. That's enough. Let's go. <laughs> Right, so Gabriel follows up. The officer grabs Gabriel's arm and sort of pulls and shoves him down the hallway in turns after locking the cell door with Percival inside. The sounds of the drunk heaving into the bucket echo throughout the cell block as the door to it shuts behind you, Gabriel. Percival, oh God, the smell. Gabriel, you are marched through the station, much as Percival was. They bring you to the white room with the square wooden table and the four chairs. Standing by the window as you enter the room, smoking another cigarette, is the gentleman in the suit. As you walk into the room, he comes around to the table, grabs the seat closest to the door, and sits as the officer shoves you into the seat against the far wall under the window. The officer turns and locks the door with the three of you inside the room. What's your name, son? Gabriel Cardona. Is that an Italian name? Uh, Out of character, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do believe it is. I, I guess so. I'm not sure about my heritage exactly. Okay. Interesting. It's a Spanish name. <laughs> Some people. All right, Mr. Cardona. I'd like to know why you and your friend there saw fit to murder two people on the green last night, or the common last night. Gabriel stares confused. We, we did not. A little too much to drink, get into a, an argument, you know, carry it out no, onto the common. Absolutely not. We did not get into an argument. Well, I got two dead bodies and a bloody knife that belongs to your friend. Yes. Uh, the two dead bodies are of the woman that was killed by the, um, by the madman that then attacked my friend Percival as he ran to help. Oh, he ran to help. By stabbing yes. someone. Yes. Uh, the, the the murderer then immediately turned to attack him. He was uh, he was wounded. You know this. You've seen the wound. And he defended himself quite, um, well, master fully. Well, no, the, the, the tramp is dead. Yes. Yes, exactly. He was a murderer. See, I'm not so sure about that point. Maybe you guys what? are out drinking. You find a lady of the night at the bub. He had a... Bloody go out the, on uh, let me finish let me finish I'm, you I'm take this sorry. lovely lady of the night out into the common some money is exchanged but maybe something goes wrong your friend kills her a tramp happens along tries to save her and your friend kills him too that is not at all what has happened okay well why don't you tell me what happened start from the very beginning i arrived by train from my trip to New York City with friends from college. On the train station, I met Percival, who I haven't seen in a long while since he's joined the military. We have some conversation and we decide to get something to eat and drinks. We hang out in Cheers for quite a while. Um, eventually, it turns late. We want to head home. We cross through, what's it called? The Commons? Yep, Boston Common. We cross through the Commons and we hear a scream in the distance and the sounds of, well, a struggle, a, a fight of sorts, but we can't exactly make out details. Percy runs into the distance. Um, I lack the training that he's gotten, so I trail behind. I see a figure of sorts um, with a weird blue glow that attacks a woman violently. I yell out for help and try to, uh, well, follow suit uh, behind Percival. Um, he is attacked by the figure and yells out in pain, but he retaliates with his knife and the figure drops to the ground. I continue yelling for help until I hear uh, the police is getting closer and I check on my friend. He's wounded, but I can tell the the murderer that he uh, pursued is dead underground. And then we get, well, thrown into the jail cell for the night. I'm sorry, did you say a glowing blue? Yes, from the eyes, I believe. 
Now, how much did you have to drink that night? A fair bit. I wouldn't I wouldn't have trusted my eyes if my friend Percival didn't also mention it to me. Do you have any other habits besides drink? You have uh, found cocaine on me, and I do enjoy it on occasion. He pulls out a little kit, sets it on the table, starts rolling himself a cigarette. He pulls the one that he's been smoking out of his mouth and uses it to light the new one before stubbing the old one out on the table. He flips through his notes for a minute, turns to the officer, take him back. The officer comes around the table, hoists you up, one hand under your arm, let's go, unlocks the door, and shoves you through it. He marches you back through the station. As you go through the station, you catch a face that you recognize. You see that young junior reporter from the night before talking to two officers with a notepad in hand, eagerly taking down everything they're telling him. And before you can say anything, you're shoved along. The door to the cell block opens, the door to the cell is opened, and you are shoved inside. And as you get into the cell, barely keeping your balance from the shove the officer gave you, the horrifying smell of the drunk's bucket hits your nose. The officer coughs once as he locks the cell door behind you, and he quickly exits the cell block, locking the door behind him. Percival is there watching you get shoved back in. And apparently, he's trying to keep his uh, stomach from erupting. Scenes on you guys. I assume Gabriel is trying to hold his breath, but failing to do so. I mean, you do need to breathe. Yeah, it's kind of important. So... (laughs) Yeah, well, gagging on the, uh, trying not to gag on the smell, Percival would say, so they, oh, that man in the suit, talk to you too? Yeah, crazy. He thinks, he thinks you did that to this woman. Yeah, well, hopefully they're not complete idiots or else. Because so, once they realize, you know, the evidence, you know, that you know, the woman obviously, you know, chopped up with that cleaver, not my, not my knife, they should, you know, release us in no time. I, I gave them the truth, of course. I, I got a bit agitated along the way. I hope that doesn't reflect badly on us, but... Yeah, it shouldn't. But why is... How did that... The, the murderer die? I mean... I just got him across the shoulder. I'm, I'm, I've, I've seen, I've, seen, I've heard, I've heard, I've met men who've had worse. You know, I've, I've seen, you know, they have talked to veterans who, you know, lost a leg or an arm. They're, they were fine. They crossed across the shoulder. That killed him. I, 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 I couldn't say. I, I assume you just slit his throat or something like that. I, I, I didn't. I don't. I don't think I did. Weird. So you know, you know what else? I saw the reporter we talked to in interview. You did? Did you tell him no? I told I told him that I, oh, I didn't uh, get to talk to him. The the police man dragged me along the floor. 
well, we got, we got to let him know that he, he that he exists, that he can like, identify us. They, you know, if you know, as long as you know, someone, someone, someone can place us at the pub, that'll help us. Uh, they'll help prove the fact that you know that we were at the pub for hours, and you know, we just there was we couldn't really have had time to you know stalk and murder a woman. I mean, the people at Cheers know me. Well, I, the, well, I go there like twice a week. Well, make sure to let them. Did you tell them that? Yes, I did mention that we were cheers. Okay, so so we should be good. We we should. Who was that man, though? D- did you catch his name? <laughs> I mean, I did catch it at one point, and then I forgot about it. He also mentioned a police officer to us. Um, the name oh, yeah, uh, O'Neill, Sergeant O'Neill. Oh, you're better than I am with this. Well, I don't even remember the name because I I knew I knew an old Neil back in the army camp, but just probably not not related. Yeah. Well, at this point, the door at the end of the cell block opens. Three officers come marching down. One of them carries two buckets. The first officer opens up the cell across the hall. Come on, you're done. Time to get out. Picks up the drunk who sort of staggers, bleary-eyed, mumbling incoherently, and drags the drunk out. The second officer grabs the drunk's bucket, and the third officer splashes the two buckets that he's carrying into the cell. And you watch the water run to the drain in the middle of the floor. They leave the cell door open and march back down to the end of the cell block, locking the door behind them. As the door closes, the smell immediately improves. See, already, smell's gotten better. Things can only get better for us. I was ready to break this window, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> so how much longer are we like just left to sort of stew in the, in the cell? The two of you sit in the cell for about another hour and a half. As the day wears on, you feel your stomachs grumbling and growling. And finally, you hear the door at the end of the cell block open again. The man with the suit walks in with one officer with him. He stands in front of your cell, nods to the officer. The officer opens the cell door and steps back. Gentlemen, please follow me. Very well. By the way, what is your name? I didn't catch it, I think, last time. I am Detective Sergeant O'Neill. Oh, we were actually told about you last night. I look forward to having that conversation. Gentlemen, if you will, and he motions to the door from the cell blocks. I'll proceed to the door. Yeah, Gabriel follows quite eagerly. (laughs) The uniformed officer will lead you out of the cell block. O'Neill will follow you out. Another uniformed officer will turn and lock the cell block door as O'Neill leaves. Gentlemen, we need to have a conversation in my office right this way. Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.